Hello everyone and welcome to another Double View Wrestling Podcast, a new weekly podcast where we are re-watching AEW from the very start. We've done all the preliminary shows, we've done all in to all out to shake it all about and now we are going straight to Dynamite Episode 1. I am the retired UK Brit wrestler, formerly known as Triggerman, now known as Sid. With me as always is superstar Pete Andrews. Yeah, it's not just a place, but a state of mind. Oh no, that was my other gimmick. Damn it. <laughs> that was that was Latino Heat, right? Latino Pete, yes. Latino Heat was trademarked. Yeah, good point. Well made. <laughs> Join us today as we look at the very first AEW Dynamite. But before we get into all that, Pete. Yes. What is your favourite wrestling t-shirt and why? Ooh. It's a bit, a bit serious for our intro, that one, isn't it? Yeah, and it was well, you've thrown me there. Oh. But I think it's got to be the the black and white original NWO shirt. It's just iconic, isn't it? Even to this day, the NWO haven't been a thing for a long time now, and it's still so recognisable. You know what it is when you see it. Simple, so simple. Fits their gimmick. It looks like it's been spray-painted on. Yeah, I think it's got to be that for me. Yeah, it does the job, doesn't it? Um, I've got, I've got kind of three. I can't decide on the first Jericho Y two J T shirt was just that was a moment in time. Um, I've never had a classic, simple ECW logo T shirt, and I've always wanted that because absolute classic. I just, I never picked one up, and I don't know why. But the one I wore most of all, more than any other T shirt, was the old kind of football jersey, hockey jersey, DX. Yes. DX version 2. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that was not really a T-shirt because it was quite a lightweight fibre, very breathable, good for good for exercising in. Yeah, yeah. I wore that all the time. And I got the, I got the kind of the Triple H specific one. Right, with the short sleeves. Yeah, but the, the sleeves were a bit too short and it's before I'd started going to the gym or anything. So I just looked <laughs> like a plum. Wearing that. <laughs> right, so today we are looking at Dynamite Episode 1. Uh, where are we? When are we? We are uh, the 2nd of October 2019 and we are in Washington DC at the Capital One Arena with a recorded attendance of 14,129. There you go. So it's 2nd of October, that's the day it is today. So this is Absolutely three years ago to today. Weird. It's almost like we planned this. <laughs> and it's 29 years to the day since Y2J debuted and had his very first match. 29 years. Wow. And who was his first match against? I don't know. Lance Storm. Oh, of course it was. Because he had his la- they had their last match. Yeah. Or Lance Storm's last match. Air quotes together. He obviously wrestled since because he's a wrestler and he can't keep a promise. Bit of a wrestling classic, that isn't it? Really, having mm. your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. first and last match against someone, which is an incredibly good segue into our first match of the night: <laughs> Cody versus Sammy Guevara, which, of course, was the very first Dynamite match. Yes, but also the last match Cody had. It was at the tail end of his AEW run. Yeah, worth mentioning before we just get into the match as well. This is the first bit of wrestling on TNT since the demise of WCW. Oh, don't worry, Tony Schiavone will tell you that at least 15 times. <laughs> That's because it's the last time he did anything significant wrestling-wise. Yeah, very true, very true. 
how long did he sit at home waiting for the call? It's it's been twenty years, hasn't it? Well, yeah, he'd he'd firmly got out of wrestling. He'd completely fell out of love with it, um, and he'd done some work for uh, MLW Major League Wrestling um, prior to AEW becoming a thing. Just dipping his toe in. I don't think he ever planned to get back hugely into wrestling, but WWE did come calling, but so did AEW, and he thought, well, it's TNT, I've got history there, let's go back and, and do it. And yeah, this is his first time back on commentary in a very long time, almost 20 and years. And he seems to be enjoying himself, as we yes. said before, not not the most insightful commentator, and he's almost better as a backstage interviewer, but uh, there he is on the commentary team with JR, good old Jim Ross. And Excalibur. Yes. As I always like to point out, free play-by-play, no colour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes Jack a dull boy. And before we get into the Cody Sammy match, there's something I wanted to point out from the uh, fight presentation thumbnail for this show. Right. It's Jericho and Mox. Mm. So it's the current, as we speak in 2022, it's the current Ring of Honor champion, Jericho, and the current... Uh, AEW champion in Moxley. We've come a long way in three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How things have changed, but stayed the same, but changed all the same. Isn't it weird? So let's look at Cody versus Sammy Kivera. Pete, who does Cody's music? Because he, he, he's taken that with him from the Indies to AEW and then back to WWE. Is it a famous band? I do believe it's Downstate who have done quite a few wrestling themes they do the miz um and mark cardona um so yeah they they must be wrestling fans because they like i said they've done themes for a few different people um but yeah that's who i believe does cody's theme they must be the new saliva yes but yeah very <laughs> odd isn't it that um cody has kind of taken that to it with him to wwe because normally they're very much if it didn't happen here it didn't happen and we don't want to any sort of link to that, but Cody went to back to WWE very much as sort of AW Cody. Yet the presentation was identical, which is uh, unheard of. Yeah, yeah, no longer Stardust, fully the American Nightmare. Yeah, yeah, and and it's almost more like his Stardust stuff didn't happen than anything. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very odd. We've got to talk about the panda motif. We've hit on it before when Sammy was wearing it on a T-shirt, mm. but here he comes out here like full. I've just killed the most endangered species on the planet and now I'm wearing it <laughs> as a headpiece. Yeah. Um, I get that he's heel, but is he killing a panda heel? Well, hopefully not, because that would be harsh. Um, no, I think the panda thing, from what I've sort of heard him say and, and have read, he just likes pandas and there's not much more to it than that. Um, and that seems to be a bit of a, a wrestler thing because Kevin Owens, big fan of zoos, more importantly, pandas. Um, and you'll see some of his old Kevin Steen merchandise is panda-centric. Um, obviously, Vince McMahon, not keen on pandas because of uh, the name change and everything. But, um, yeah, it just seems like Sam is quite into him. That that classic image of the pandas hitting each other with chairs that you see <laughs> yeah. on, online with the old WWF logo. That I mean, that could be a Kevin Owens T-shirt straight off. <laughs> Definitely, straight off, yeah. Couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The crowd is very hot in this match for Cody, pretty much all the way through. Yeah. I noticed one thing in that Sammy is, he's pretty much fully formed as a wrestler, mm-hmm. but entrance-wise, he's not hes not quite perfect, is he? He's kind of, he's, he's a half step off. He's got the arrogance, he's got the swagger. Yes. But it's not quite Sammy swagger. It's kind of 
almost a parody of Vince, the way he was trying to trying to do his shoulders. Yeah, um, he also looks really young, really young. Because I know he's ears young, but it's only like three years ago, and he looked like a child, in, especially in the face. I was like, wow, he's aged a bit. But yeah, I think sticking him with Jericho, which obviously we'll come to later, was a great thing for him because it did help him gain more sort of confidence and probably just get him that that presentation that he needed. Obviously, Jericho's so good at presenting himself, so I think that rubbed off on Sammy pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. Gave him more of the heel edge rather than... Yes. I, I'm trying to be the big man on campus, which you can you can almost overplay that and come across as a bit embarrassing, especially when you're a pretty boy. And yeah. Sammy is a pretty, pretty boy. He's prettier than some of the girls they've got wrestling <laughs> at AW. <laughs> it's funny with these um, early AW shows as well, because you can see they're, they're trying out little gimmick tweaks and little nicknames and stuff, because he's not the Spanish god at this point. He's, what's he called himself? The best ever. It's like, mm, yeah, that's not great. Not not for someone at the start of their career, is yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> A couple of kind of nice bits in this match early on. Um, it's very by the numbers early on until they kind of get Brandy involved. So, mm. as ever, Brandy at ringside with Cody. Uh, that is a great dive she takes from Cody. Cody dives out the ring. <laughs> yeah. Sally pulls Brandy in front of him. And, and like, neither of them kind of... It's protected, obviously. But yes. it's a good old wallop. And she yeah. does sell it like a champ. Oh, definitely. I think that helps when your value or your manager is is trained in the wrestling, that they, they do know how to take bumps and things. It, it does help if they're going to get involved and do stuff like that. It it just makes it look crisper, doesn't it? And rather than just scurrying off to the back, holding her head and neck, angry yeah. at Cody, yeah, she's yeah, angry yeah. at Sammy, yes. and she stays there long enough to get retaliation and twats him with a shoe around the face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very nice. A great call from Jim Ross as well calling Sammy a proctologist's nightmare. <laughs> takes, uh, takes a little bit of unpacking, that one. But, yeah, every inch an asshole, basically, yeah, is yeah, what he's yeah. saying. Exactly. Many way, many words. I, got, I, bet, I bet a few people heard that, like, don't know what that means. No idea. <laughs> Very strong finish to this match as well. Um, the old Spanish fly off the top rope. Then Sammy gets up, goes for a beautiful shooting star press. But Cody gets his knees up. Mm-hmm. and doesn't feel the need to follow up with one of his moves. He doesn't go yeah. for a code break or anything else. He goes knees up straight into a schoolboy roll-up. Yeah. Great quick finish, gets the good guy over. It, it doesn't make Sammy look particularly bad. He was going for a spectacular move after he'd hit uh, the Spanish fly. Mm-hmm. Um, strong finish, the crowd were hot for it. I thought this was a great opener. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, like you say, the, the people there wanted to see Cody. I think it was Jim Ross makes mention that even before doors had opened, uh, well, sorry, before the, the show went live, the crowd were coming in, they were chanting Cody's name before the show had even started. So obviously a lot of people were very, very excited to see him there. Obviously he was one of the the big parts of this company coming together. So having him out there first was a, a wise move, I think. Um, it could have potentially hijacked the rest of the show. I don't know as it would have. Um, but yeah, getting him out there early, getting people to see him. Obviously, they were hot to see him by charting his name before the show went live. It was a wise move getting him in that first match. And I think one of the things that really helped this match is there was no adverts for it. And that's that's going to be a big topic of uh, discussion for me throughout this first Dynamite because they didn't quite have the pacing right. They didn't quite know how to use adverts to best effect. Um, but in this opening match, it wasn't a problem. You had the handshake after the match where it's like, yeah, Sammy's like, oh, okay, that was a great match. You got me yep. fair and square. 
Uh, but that's a bit of a foreshadowing because it is a distraction ploy for Jericho yes. to run in. They don't state overtly that it's part of Sammy's plan, but it does pay off by the end of the show. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, you kind of see him shrug. Don't, don't. It's like, well, I've done my bit. I shook his hand. This yeah, isn't my yeah. problem. What was what was funny? You mentioned like the adverts on this first show. Rewatching it on Fight, like now when you watch the shows, like the, the shows they do now, when it when they go to break, we just get the Dynamite logo on for two or three minutes. Whereas on this, it just stayed in the arena. So it was like you're there. This is how you'd experience it for you in the crowd. It didn't cut to black or cut to logos. It just kept the cameras running with kind of silence, and it kind of extended some segments and made them feel a little bit awkward. But obviously, if you're watching it on TV. This wouldn't have happened, so it was you can't really have a go at them for it. But it was just odd to see. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think this was their strongest advert segment because obviously Jericho comes out and he does the beatdown on Cody, and like you're establishing the champion in the first fifteen minutes of the show. Um, it's an early mention of Cody versus Jericho at full gear, so they are in full promotion yep. uh, territory here. This is this is wrestling on TV by the numbers. And, of course, Jericho can continue the beatdown during the first ad break, keep the crowd happy. I thought this this is the strongest advert break of the of the whole thing, which is a, an odd thing maybe to fixate on, but I'm going to talk about <laughs> that more as we go on. Um, so we come back from the ads, and we go straight into Brandon Cutler versus MJF. Mm. Uh, and we talked a little bit about Brandon and his relationship to the Bucks previously. Yeah, I mean, um, Excalibur does a pretty good job during the entrance as well because I think it's Jim Ross says so who's this guy so yeah he was he's a childhood friend of the the Bucks he got into the the business with them uh, Brandon and his brother actually uh, were a team um, they wrestled in the Bucks back garden and just came through the ranks together but yeah as Excalibur says on the show Brandon kind of stepped away from wrestling decided to concentrate on other things but then was enticed back um, first person to have two contracts with AW as well Um as far as non-management goes, so he obviously as a as a on-air talent as a wrestler, but he is also um, the man behind filming all of BTE and editing all that together. So yeah, that's kind of his two jobs for the company. Yeah, oh, that's that's an interesting one. It's interesting to see him here just playing such a classic nice guy baby face. Yeah, yeah, because we're so used to seeing that Stooge presentation of him, but yeah, he's like Dun- Dungeons and Dragons enthusiast Brandon Cutler at this point. And he's got the the full indie gear, hasn't he? He's got the tights and the pads yeah, yeah, yeah. and the cut-off T-shirt. That's, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> it. the absolute classic look. Then MJF comes out and it's textbook MJF. Cut my music. I'm going to be a heel prick. We kind of get seven promos in one here from MJF. He just, mm. one after the other, reels off different dick comments to the crowd, to Brandon Cutler. It's almost too much, but it's it's MJF, so it's not. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else doing that much, it'd, it would probably would stand out a bit more and go, "No, this doesn't work." But yeah, because it's MJF, he gets a bit more leeway than anyone else. Definitely. I mean, this is what I would call the first proper TV match. Mm-hmm. Like the first match that could have been on the pay per view quite easily. It's a great opener. This is your your first proper TV match. It's five or six minutes. It's build a heel by the numbers. Um, MJF comes out, gets gets the rub. You get a bit of a face shine, obviously, from Cutler. Does a very nice tope as well. Gets some distance with that. Yeah, yeah. Very short but sweet match. Yeah, two minutes 55 to be exact. So very, very short. But yeah, definitely <laughs> establishes MJF and how dangerous his finisher is. That salt of the earth. Uh, 
armbar is a devastating move because as soon as that's on, he taps. But yeah, three minutes, not even that. Yeah, and we get the top rope stumble from Cutler. He goes at the top to do something. He stumbles off. Makes it look very natural, but I'm, I'm convinced that was totally played for. Oh, I think so, yeah. MJF taps in pretty quickly after that with the armbar. You could kind of say, uh, given he stumbled and then held his leg, why not go for a leg submission? But we're building a heel here. We've got to get over MJF's finishing move, and that's exactly what they do. Yeah, exactly that. And you need to you need to clock up some quick wins to establish people. And you know, with with we're trying to get the scores on the boards at this point because everyone's kind of going in with very few matches behind. Yes, them. yeah, exactly that. Yeah, um, and it, it helps that they they are bringing in these guys like Brandon Cutler. He's you know. I don't mean to disparage a guy, but he's never going to be a, a guy chasing titles and things like that. But you need guys like this that are decent enough in the ring, can put on a good match with people um, just to help put over the guys that they do want to push a little bit further up the card and up the shows. So yeah, it's, it's cool to see them bringing in these uh, these other guys that are maybe like huge names that people have heard of from the Indies or these sort of up-and-coming prospects. Um, I like that. Yeah, the job squad lives on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we get four minutes of absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. They haven't really clocked what to do with the adverts as yet, but that's fine because we come back to the ring and we get we get to meet Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, I completely forgot that, and it's funny because they obviously they mention that they're there to kind of promote the the Jay and Silent Bob reboot film. And they were scheduled to be on WWE TV the following week. And because of this, because they appeared here, they're like, no, we don't want you now. You've gone and done AEW. So we don't want you on our show to help promote your film. That's weird, really. But I mean, I think they went the right choice going on AEW. It makes them look a bit more with it. Definitely. Uh, yeah. And obviously Jericho is in Jay and Silent Bob reboot yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing um, uh, a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Yes, might have got some pointers from his wife for that role. Um, <laughs> might have to cut that. No, let's leave that. <laughs> let's talk about Jay and Bob a bit. I mean, they're not they're not All strongly right. associated with wrestling, but me and you, we've been we've literally been watching Kevin Smith's films for nearly thirty years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we found them um, through Mallrats. That was the first film that we saw them in, and then obviously went back to Clerks, and it was just followed everything. Ever since you famously got the laser disc of chasing Amy, even though neither <laughs> one of us had a laser disc player, but it was it was a way to get it, and we got it ripped onto videos. And so yeah, it's it's cool to see someone that we yeah some people that we've been so associated with for most of our lives being involved in something else that we've been associated with most of our lives. It, it's it's a cool little little crossover. Yeah, I always love to see Kevin Smith. He gets a bit of shit from people online these days, but like. The thing with the thing with Kevin Smith is he doesn't really have fans. He has people who want his job and his life. Yeah, yeah. And it can very easily turn from oh, I love that dude, he's one of us, to asshole. Why has he got that cool job and I don't? Yeah. But I just I just think he's an awesome guy. I'm looking forward to seeing Clerks Three out now at cinemas. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's, he's done everything that that people like him and us would want to do. You know, he he made it on his own. He he got famous, he made some money, he opened some comic shops, he's anything he you know that he wanted to do, he's he's done it and he's you can tell he just loves it. He loves everything he gets involved in and he's so passionate about his hobbies and he's never sort of turned his back on it. Um and he just does what he wants to do and, and seems to love enjoy himself doing it. He's so similar to Chris Jericho in terms of 
just going out there and doing it and grinding and pushing and doing stuff and getting over. And obviously, like, both of them have been guests on each other's podcasts many times. Yeah. And you can tell that there's there's a lot of genuine affection uh, between Jericho and Kevin Smith. And I don't think Kevin Smith's really a fan of wrestling at all. No. I think he likes it as a kind of comic book in real life kind of adventure, but I wouldn't say he's a lifelong fan. Yeah, but yeah. But just... The respect between the two people is very, very clear, isn't it? Definitely, and I, and I think you know you say that Kevin Smith. Oh yeah, I don't think he's a fan, but he'd clearly done his a bit of homework on it because he he references a few names and he he got sort of their alignments right. So he he'd done just he did enough, you know, for to show that oh a famous person that non wrestling fans might have heard of, but he's he's referencing the wrestlers and build helping build the show in the little segment he had. So yeah, it was it's cool. It's great um, as well that the the people who come out and give the creator of dogma <laughs> is uh is the name i've given to evan scent yes that's <laughs> evan it, angelica yeah. and no what are they called angelico and um jack evans that's uh, it the hybrid two and this is the first time they get referenced as the hybrid two and they come out and they say uh morris day and the time weren't even that good <laughs> no need it's just no and need. then private party come out to assist yeah do absolutely nothing and then walk off out the back again. But did you see the security guard was like really stopping him getting close? And I, I've just got this feeling that there was meant to be more, but the security guard was like, hang on, this, these two lads want to come and get involved. Let's get, get rid of them. Because it, it never quite goes as quick as far as you think it should. Yeah, I think you're right, actually, because it, it did just kind of end and then like there was a bit of commentary covering up. Yeah. They did a good job because they announced the World Tag Team Tournament for next week. Yes. Showed us the brackets and the this first round bye that they got and <laughs> the totally not the <laughs> qualifying match. Very yeah. weird. And then we go from that straight to an, um, a SoCal Uncensored SCU mm-hmm. doing the Barack Obama promo uh, outside a green screen of the White House, even though yeah. they're in DC. Scorpio Sky, he does a decent Barack Obama. He does, yeah. I was impressed by that. Sort of his own anger translator. I mean, he's not quite <laughs> Luther from Key and Peel. No. But he's close. Did you ever see the, the time when they did Luther, the uh, anger translator? With Barack Obama yes. at the White House press correspondence dinner, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's I recommend great. that to everyone. Um, it's so worth seeing. And then it, we get a little, uh, we get a little in the arena promo between Scorpio Sky and SCU against Penta and Phoenix. Yeah, setting up their next match down the line. Uh, Scorpio Sky is so good here. Everything he does is mm. just full of charisma. It's entertaining. He's a superstar. Yeah, he is like, a star. Push this guy to the moon. I don't. I don't get why it hasn't happened yet. Pentru Phoenix getting SCU's face. I would have liked to have seen a reference back to the fight for the fallen. Yeah, beat down with the ladders after the match. I think that would have helped cement mm-hmm. this part of the show. Um, yeah, definitely. A little bit of a pull apart. Dean Malenko comes out. Yes, um, he's one of my greatest of all time guys. Always loved Dean Malenko. Um, and I'm glad that he's still involved in wrestling, helping put people over. Never quite got over with the mainstream audience. He's always sort of been the wrestler's wrestler, hasn't he, old thing? Yeah, he's he's not a a flashy, flamboyant type of guy. He's yeah, he's very much a, a technical wrestler, and that's what he does. I mean, WWE tried to give him 
these little pushes to give him an edge. Like he was that ladies man for a bit with the James Bond style music. And that was kind of as far as his, his push went. I mean, he was, he was towards the end of his career when he joined WWE as part of the radicals. He was getting on in years a little bit at the end. He transitioned to the, the backstage stuff and moved over to AW. Obviously he's a, a very close friend of Chris Jericho's. Uh, I do believe he has Parkinson's now. Um, they've made reference yeah, to that in that. recent years, yeah, which is really sad. But yeah, he's still very much involved and uh, giving back to the business by helping the younger talents and even the older talents. I mean, if you can't learn something from Dean Malenko, you're not going to be able to learn much. No, totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. I've always loved Dean. Glad to see him involved. And de facto, uh, probably the best surviving member of the Radicals now. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, there's, there was only four and two of them aren't with us. Um, and the other one's Perry Sutton. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So then we get another ad break. And of course, because the fight TV package stays with it, we get uh, we get Dem Bones by Alison Chains. Very yeah. Cool in the background. Yeah. And that just got my brain in a very ECW state of mind. Mm-hmm. Just in time for Adam Page versus Pac. Or as I'm going to call it, Adam Page versus Pack 2. Yes, we're finally getting it on an AW show. It had been promised and cancelled, and then they had it in the UK randomly, which uh, is mentioned. But yeah, we finally got the AEW match between Adam Page and Pack. Absolutely, we did. I wish Pack had better music. There's there's my very small minor complaint about Pack. They've shortened it, because I know when he came out, it's like, oh, he had different music originally, and it just eventually gets to the point where they start his music now like i've noticed that with a few of these early aw shows like pack has an intro on his music which they don't have now mjf's music um starts later now it had a more of an intro to it so they obviously tweak the music as they go on but um yeah uh pack's music it's, it's an odd theme um there's it's a bit like Tess. there's there's clear lyrics to it but I don't know what they are. The way they've truncated the music, I think the most famous version of that is Undertaker's American Badass, because it took them about three edits before they got it right. Yes, that's right, yeah. Because the first time he used it in the Iron Man match, it was so long and drawn out, the match actually ended before it got involved. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it got me thinking, if Pac had been in ECW back in the day, what would his music have been? Wow, okay. And I think I've got it. Oh, go on then. I reckon Jesus Built My Hot Rod by Ministry. Okay, that would work. It's just very ECW, and I think it's mm-hmm. very pack. Yeah. And if you wanted to update it slightly, Gibber by Mortis. <laughs> but no one's going to know what that track is, and I don't think they're going to bother checking. Imagine seeing Pack and Mortis side by side. You wouldn't know which one's in the prosthetics, would you? No, if you added Will and Defoe, it could be like Guess the Green Goblin. Yeah, there's your your new trios, champions. Both men come out, and they're in the ring, and this is a bit of a heated feud, this one, isn't it? Mm. Because they fought in Nottingham. It's been building since the AW announcement. They're both in the ring, they're ready to go, and we get another ad break. Yes. And um, Pac paces about outside the ring for ages, gurning at the fans. He's doing his best to keep the match alive, but it should be a great match. It's Adam Page versus Pack on paper. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think I really felt the ad breaks just killed this because you had the you had the slow start, and then because Pack's already outside the ring, 
the match pretty much starts with fighting outside the ring as soon as it gets actually gets going. Yeah. Uh, and then we get we start building and get some better stuff in the ring, and then we get our very first picture in picture ad break mm-hmm. as soon as they powder outside again. True to form, really kills the pace of the match. Even Jr. sort of points out that the pacing of this match is an issue. He doesn't blame the yeah 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 overtly, yeah. but he does he does point out. And mm-hmm. it's it's such a shame. Um, I mean, we're going to get more Pat versus Page down the line. I'm almost certain of it. Because why wouldn't you? But on paper, this is such a good. This was this should be match of the show, really. And it it, it just isn't. I mean, a lot of these ad breaks that cause problems. You know, if you were watching this live at the time on TV, you wouldn't have had a lot of this, and it probably it it would have affected it. But yeah, watching it with these bits in the bits we. You know the viewer shouldn't be seeing. It did kind of hurt it a bit, and you you could tell that's what it that's what was happening. Yeah, like it was so weird with the pack one because you had this kind of ad break where he was just wandering around the ring, and then you could see the moment that they knew they were back live because the bell just went, and then it kind of just started. It's like it yeah. it, it was so jarring, um, but yeah, it's, it's stuff we we shouldn't have seen really. Um, it's just just how the fight TV replay has been been uploaded, unfortunately. I think if between bell to bell they kept it entirely in the ring, I think that would have really helped the match. Mm. But having that long drawn out beginning, then going outside, then going outside for the advert break again, it was just it was just a bit too much. But the ending of the match very solid. It builds up nicely. It looks like Adam Page is getting a bit of momentum. Yeah, uh, he he goes for buckshot, doesn't get it. Old Pack's just a bit too canny. Hits the black arrow off the top rope and then puts mm-hmm. him straight into the brutalizer, which is the move that beat uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah, back back to Perry Saturn. It's it's the rings of Saturn, his his old finish, but yeah, now called the brutalizer. And that puts Pack at two and zero in AEW. It does. He's on his roll. He's undefeated still in that that run, couple of year run he's had. So, I mean, it's, it's a strong showing for Pack, um, and also a surprising one, I think, because I would have thought. After Paige lost his title belt match against Jericho, hmm. um, a nice win for him off the back of that is what you need to kind of re-establish Adam Page. And I thought beating Pack yeah. would have really meant something because then that kind of puts Adam Page at that top tier level with Jericho and Kenny and Pack because he's beaten one of them. But no, no, he's lost to Jericho and he's lost to to Pack all within six weeks. Um, so I'm not not sure if that's the right thing, but there are more matches to come with those two, I'm sure. So maybe we'll get to that down the road. And again, it it builds. In hindsight, it builds the story they played with Adam Page that, you know, he was the chosen one as such, and he did lose it, and he did lose early on, and it, it's what caused this crisis of confidence. What did push him to the drink and to lose himself a bit, and it it builds the story with this is going somewhere. Um, so it is all. All planned very, very well. Um, and we'll see. We'll see as the, the weeks and months go on how it develops. Okay, that's that's good to know. That tightens the end of the matchup for me a lot, then knowing that it is, it's part of it. It's going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. All right, so now we are into the Women's Championship. This was built over the last few pay-per-views exceedingly well, actually, with a four-way and then a triple threat. Uh, and then it was announced at the last show that this was definitely going to be Rio versus Nyla Rose for the Women's yes. Championship. That's it. Who is your favourite Rose? Oh, okay. Good one, this. Is it 
Nyla Rose, yeah. Mandy Rose, Diana mm-hmm. Rose, Kiss from a Rose, Every <laughs> Rose Has a Thorn, or Playboy Buddy Rose? Well, you'd think I'd go Every Rose Has Its Thorn, because it's a song by Poison. That's why it's on the list. But I'm going to... I'm going to go with obscure DC comic character Rose and Thorn, purely because there was a mini-series about her and it was based in Metropolis. I like it. Well done. Thank you. Diverting it back to DC. (laughs) (laughs) In your head, does DC actually... DC doesn't beat out poison, does it? Wow, that's saying something. I I don't know. It's, It's a hard call for me, that, isn't it? I think you've spent more money on DC over the year, so I think we're going to give it Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, Women's Championship match, Britt Baker on commentary, which is good because that kind of, Mm. that subliminally pushes her into the Women's Championship sphere in the audience. Definitely. Yep, yep. She's, she's, it kind of sets her up as, as the next challenger, really, doesn't it? She's scouting both wrestlers. She's there as close as she can be without being in the match or ringside. Um, and it, it gets people to know Britt Baker, again, um, the first woman to be signed by the company, as we mentioned on the last show. Uh, big things ahead for Britt Baker. Um, and from day one, yeah, she was very much pushed, even when not involved in a match. She was part of it by by being uh, on commentary duties. So this is a classic David versus Goliath match. Mm. You've yep. got the speedy underdog Rio versus the slow powerhouse Nyla Rose. Slightly undermined by the fact that Nyla has been beaten in the ring cleanly by Rio. I mean, I guess you can say it's a triple threat, so it was Mm. almost more of a handicap. Yeah, Um, yeah. But I I still kind of think that if Rio had pinned the other person in the triple threat, that would have helped Nyla save face going into this match. Yes, yeah, yeah. But that's that's all minor. But you'd think Nyla's going to start strong in this match. She's going to be raring to go. She's going to want to recover that loss that she's had to Rio. She's got the she's got the weight advantage. She's got the power advantage. You think she's going to start off match, but no, no. We go for an advert break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when we come back, uh, it's it's pretty much your standard David versus Goliath, as I've said. Anything particularly stand out to you in this match? Um, no, it, like you say, it was that that typical underdog match. It was a pretty long match. Um, women's matches, sort of historically up to this point didn't really get a lot of time. They were like three, four minute matches, whereas this was 13 minutes, 26 seconds. So yeah, for a women's match featuring two women's wrestlers that maybe weren't well known um, to a lot of people, uh, shows a lot of faith in them too, as well as the the division as a whole. Um, And it did tell a good story. I mean, Rio is so, so tiny small, but um, she's believable in what she does. Uh, And Nyla, we've mentioned her before, like she just knows where she is and what she's doing at all times. Um, she's so good at sort of doing, getting, going between sequences and being in the right place at the right time, um, especially with someone like Rio, who has this very kinetic offence, uh, who is going to be bouncing around and going fast for, for someone like sort of Nyla Rose's size to be able to keep up with that and sort of not forget where she is and what she's doing. It's it's really impressive. It is, but there was there was a couple of bits of this match that stood out as being a bit awkward to me. Hmm. Um, like there's a point where Nyla Rose are outside the ring having, having a skirmish as you do, and Nyla Rose goes for a chair. And to me, at this point in their feud, it's totally unneeded. Um, yeah. I can kind of see I've lost the belt to her. I get uh-huh. a rematch. That's the time to escalate and get the chair. But at this point, Nyla Rose should be confident 
that one-on-one, I've got this person's number. Yeah, true. It's not like they hate each other. Save it for the rematch. Escalate it and the next match. Um, it's like she does the sent on splash from the apron onto chairs. Yeah. And it's like, that's a big move for TV. And I get that it's your first show and you want to impress. Mm-hmm. But maybe don't do it in the first one-on-one against Rio. Maybe save that. <laughs> yeah, true, true. And another bit that really stood out for me as well was we get that big, we get the big ad break in the middle of the match during a submission. And Nyla Rose has got on a very nice looking SPF, centre of the ring. She's completely dominating Rio at this point because that's a big woman to have on top of a small yeah, yeah. 90 pound Rio. And it, you're thinking, oh, there's no way, there's no way Nyla's going to get out, um, going to get this broken. There's no way Rio's going to get out of it. She's right in the centre of the ring. Uh, and seemingly the only reason why the move is broken is because the referee whispers in Nyla Rose's ear, we're back from ad break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's literally, she lets it go. It's There's no rope break, there's no reversal, there's no somehow yeah. getting out of it, or an eye, even like a desperation eye poke or something. It's just, I'll let go of this submission, man. Yeah, true. It's always annoying when that happens, because th- there's, there's always a way for someone to get out of a move, even if it's a, a small wrestler versus a big wrestler, there's, there's always a, a way to do it. A wrestler just giving up a submission. Yeah, maybe it's not working. Maybe they're not tapping, but leave it on another couple of seconds and say, might uh, yeah, try a little bit harder to, to get out of a move. Even if it's just like as simple as stand up and celebrate. And then the referee's like, no, no, she, she's not out. She didn't tap. Yes. Yeah. And then you go to put it on again and you get it reversed or they squirrel out of it. Just, just mm. something. Yeah, you also yeah. had quite a funny commentary call from Britt Baker in this match talking about how Rio is capitalising with every single ounce of her weight on every single move. And that's almost <laughs> the exact opposite call <laughs> yeah. of what you want. Because I, I promise you, Rio's weight wasn't her winning factor in this No, match. no, definitely not. <laughs> the one thing that wasn't. They get the ending right on this one, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. After, after they had a few little problems with adverts ruining it, but they do get it together for the end. There's a beautiful top rope, Northern Lights, and that's really the point yeah, where Rio yeah. gets control of the match again. Uh, and she does a couple of running double knees to the face and then gets the pinfall. Rio wins, goes over. And I tell you what, for all my complaints... The mm-hmm. crowd loved this one. Yeah, they did. They were really into it. Every every spot of the match, every false finish, yeah, they loved. So, I mean, they had the crowd eating out of their hands and they finished the match when the crowd wanted it as well. So that's yes. bad match, good finish. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. It's not even a bad match. I say bad match. It's the weakest match they've had so far. And that's a shame. But it was, it was what it needed to be. Yeah. It's funny as well seeing... Seeing the uh, the championship belt because that title's changed three times uh, in the course of AEW. So the that first title was like the oval shape, really small, and then eventually I think it's Shida gets the same belt but bigger, um, and then it completely changes to the one that um, Britt Baker got, which was kind of more in line with a smaller version of the the men's world title. But yeah, it's just funny seeing a belt design change three times over the course of three years. It almost gives away the end of the match, doesn't it? Because you see the belt and you're like, well, that's, that's yeah, yeah. Rio. <laughs> like Nyla Rose could maybe wear it on her arm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that would be it. We get a good little bit of afterbirth of the match, though, that keeps the storytelling mm. going. 
Nyla's upset that she's lost, so she attacks Rio and Nakazawa, who's trying to do an interview for her in Japanese. I like the fact they baited that. I'm going to do a promo now in Japanese for the Japanese fans. But yes. of course, that would be death on American TV, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, completely, yeah. They would not like that. Um, <laughs> I think the crowd would respect it, but it's just such a no-no for American TV. Yeah, yeah, So Nyla yeah. attacks them both, goes to the powerbomb on Nakazawa. She nearly fucks the powerbomb. She nearly drops him right. Yeah, away. yeah, she saves it. Oh. It brings him back up the hard way. Yeah, yeah, and it takes it takes good power to bring up a, a powerbomb from that position. So fair play to her. Kenny Omega comes out with the save. Um, I, I did notice that Kenny Omega is sporting the Geek Pie haircut from Nathan Barley. Nice, yeah. <laughs> so, so look for that one, people. There's, there's <laughs> that show's like 20 years old now, so... Yeah, great. Do with that what you will. <laughs> but makes sense for Kenny, obviously, to come out and do the save, because not only does he book the women's division, that is his tag team partner Yep. Uh, from all the mixed tag matches, as you so rightly pointed out before. Mm-hmm. And then... We're into the fifth and final match on the show. But before we do that, let's do a sponsor segment. It wouldn't be a podcast without a sponsor segment, and this episode is no different. We are sponsored by independent publishers B-Star Kitty Press, who helped me publish my first novel, not in the eye, a satirical look at the adult entertainment industry and its strange parallels to the wrestling industry. But as well as Not in the Eye, they also published my vampire book, generic vampire novel, and my wife's first novel, Anadonia, which is very good. That's currently free to download on Amazon for Kindle, tablet, or app. It's not about wrestling, sadly, but it is free this weekend. Anadonia by Nico Resnick. So the fifth and final match of the evening is the Elite. All three members coming out together. Gotta love that. Yep. Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And they will be fighting the team of Santana and Ortiz and Chris Jericho. So, I mean, this this is just picking up from the end of All Out where the big reveal was Santana and Ortiz. Yes. And the match is for TV time remaining which gets jr very excited he makes mention i love tv time remaining so yes but what gets him going it is such a simple and good thing to do with wrestling the end of a wrestling show it's for the time we've got left it mm-hmm. makes sense very rarely does it go over i know i know nwa wcw used to literally just go off air and then finish the yeah for the people in attendance which probably isn't the right way to do it but it does no. sell the sport-based presentation they were looking for. Was it the final ad break of the night between the entrants? Uh, I think there might have been a small picture-in-picture picture one in the match, but it certainly wasn't intrusive. No. But this was the fir- the final big ad break, and they did it this time between the entrants, and I thought that was really clever, a better way of doing it. Yeah, definitely. You've obviously got the Bucks and Kenny, their fan favourites. They're in the ring. They can vamp the crowd for three, four minutes. No yeah, problem. easy. And then when you bring out Santana and Ortiz, they haven't been stood around looking at each other awkwardly. <laughs> you get straight into the match. Yeah, that's the way to do it if you're going to do it that way, for sure. Yeah, and I don't mind loads of ads top-loaded if it means the main event can go kind of interrupted. Mm. So it's not a bad way of doing it. So the match starts off. Kenny Omega and Jericho. Mm. Very smart. Everyone's going to want to see that. But no, no. Jericho tags out. Get Santana in. That's a heel move. It's so simple, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Jericho is just—he's a master. It's just second nature to him now. He just doesn't even need to think this stuff. Um, yeah, he's he just so good. It's—it's it's very much a highlight reel. This match, really, isn't it? It's—it's it's barely a match. Yeah, I was going to say it's—it's it's barely a match. Um, you know, on paper, when you see this, it's like, oh my god, this is five stars all day long. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's—it doesn't. It, it's just this a storyline builder, isn't it? it? It has a few minutes of being a, a normal match, but yeah, soon it becomes just creating angles, really. It's a crowd pleaser as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Total crowd pleaser. You get people in that haven't been on TV yet. Um, obviously, the big thing is the John Moxley running. Happens yep. really early in the match. Really quick. Usually, yeah. you think that would happen like when there's only four minutes left, and then you go to the finish. Yeah, I kind of liked it, though, because it's like Mox was there, it's like, sod it. Kenny's where I need him to be. Why am I going to wait? Let's. I'm going out there. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feeds into that storyline with the two as well, building towards full gear. Yeah. Um, obviously, they fight off into the crowd. The camera stays with them. We sort of ignore the match for two or three minutes. Yes, we do, yeah. And, uh, and watch Kenny Omega get put through a glass table by Mox. In the VIP area. that I, I thought that was really funny. Like, they're, oh, they're in the VIP area. What? The, the VIP area. So you would, in theory, pay extra to sit there. It's l- completely flat on the floor, right in a corner. So that's probably the worst place for VIPs <laughs> to sit. They can't see anything. With your back to the ring as well. Like, yeah, just a few <laughs> a few sofas. Yeah. it's. I think it's private parties, private VIP area. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. And that's why they could get to the crowd so easily. But then yeah. the, uh, the, I think it goes back to that first spot where the security just went, no, no, you don't get to go near the ring. So that's <laughs> yeah. just their little hangout. But that was a big crowd pleaser and a great way of building the, the next few matches the next few shows yeah um, this, it really reminds me and i say it so often of stuff reminding me of attitude era because that is mm-hmm. kind of the defining point of of wrestling for people of our age yes but this reminded me of the pre-smackdown days no smackdown uh-huh. wasn't a thing raw is your main show and it feeds into your pay-per-view and when you're feeding into a pay-per-view which is six days away mm. you've got to make that raw blow off memorable yeah and often the way they would do that is they'd just have everyone come out and hit all their big moves. That's it. And that's that's exactly what they do here. So, you know, we, we like you say, barely a match. Fight off, man through table, glass table at that. Um, a little bit of an advert where they go picture in picture. Jericho mm-hmm. promos the crowd. Who threw a wiener was my favourite part of that. <laughs> yeah. um, and again, great work by the people in the trailer out the back because after they, they say who threw a wiener, they cut to a guy who, like, I don't know what a sausage thrower looks like, but that guy looks like a sausage thrower. And he looks he guilty as well. He's yeah. almost as good as the virgin they call Yes. Goes back. Yeah, that's going to take um, some beating. But yeah, guilty sausage thrower is good. Fantastic stuff for Jericho. And like you say, effortless from him as well. Yeah, yeah. We do get a bit of a match in the last five minutes, and it's very mm-hmm. much... The Bucks are outnumbered. They're three against two. And this is just the, the chance for the crowd to get to know Santana Ortiz because although they know them from the last show, they yes. might not have seen them wrestle yet. Exactly, yeah. And it, it, they, they got some good some of their tag team offense in, which is really cool to see. Uh, Santana Ortiz, I, I was a big fan of those two. Um, they never really got the run that I think a lot of people hoped they would. Uh, if rumours are be, to be believed, they don't talk anymore. 
Um, they kind of had a bit of a falling out, it seems. Um, so towards the end of, uh, before Santana got injured, they didn't tag together whenever they came out, uh, when they were in uh, the inner circle. And then later when they came, when it came apart from that group, they were never really stood side by side. So there are rumblings that they don't get on anymore. Um, and that Santana kind of wants out of his deal. Um, but you know that's dirt sheet stuff. There may be truth to it, there may be not. But that's that's what the rumblings are saying these days. That's a shame, isn't it? I mean, there has been a yeah. lot of false rumors on dirt sheets. Yeah, there always is. Especially, yeah. especially surrounding Malachi Black. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely going through the rigor. Yeah, the definitely. Yeah. It's good that you mentioned in a circle because that is basically what is happening here, isn't it? This is. Oh yeah, this is the formation. Yep, definitely. Um, it isn't named as such. They haven't got their snazzy little jackets, but this is the moment. Yes. So, although Santana and Ortiz get the rub for the last five minutes and really get to hammer home who they are to the crowd, it mm-hmm. is the Judas effect for the win. We yep. are putting Chris Jericho, the AEW champion, across. He's selling that move that so far no one has kicked out of. If it's that good, why didn't he just go for it at the start of the match? That's the <laughs> question. Because <laughs> he is that powerful and effective. But no, no, he's smart, Jericho. He knows you have to let other people wear them down before. That's it. Yeah, he's clever. No one comes off badly in this one because it is a numbers game. Kenny's been taken out fair and square. No one can question that. Bucks are trying their best, but they can't hold off three people. Mm -hmm. The match is over. Jericho got the pinfall with the Judas effect. Let's run everyone out. That's it. Anarchy. That's what it is. Attitude era run out. It's great, isn't it? It's so fantastic. So um, Sammy comes out, and that is... Well, Cody first. Cody runs out. Big, big pop. Then Sammy comes out, which is clever, because it's like, oh, is he going to help or is Mm -hmm. he going to hinder? And it is the exclamation point. It is definitely a heel turn. Full on. Kick to the bollocks. Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) To Cody. And then Dustin gets the biggest pop of his entire career. (laughs) Running out. Sorry, I say Dusty. I meant Dusty. Dustin, yeah. Biggest pop I think he's ever had. Uh, and it's all going really well. And then we get um, Jake Hager. So odd, that sign. I, I remember watching this live, well, not live, but when it happened, I was like, oh, they've, they've hired the former Jack Swagger. That's weird. That doesn't really fit with the sort of people that AW were signing. They were signing kind of these these sort of cult wrestlers and these these big names on the indies and the up-and-comers. And Jack Swagger was suddenly there. And uh, from all accounts, it was a Jericho thing. Jericho had worked with um, Hager in WWE. Jericho dropped the world title to him. Uh, so there's a bit of history between the two. Um, he was doing very well in his MMA run. He hasn't sort of fought for any big companies, I don't believe. But, you know, he was unbeaten at this point. I don't know if he still is. Um so, he, yeah, he was kind of that man of two sports. Um, obviously from Oklahoma, so Jim Ross is going to automatically love him. But it, it was a very odd signing. Um, I was a bit worried at the time. I was like, oh, I'm not a huge fan of him. You know, AW's meant to be this alternative company. I don't really want to see the likes of him pushed. And thankfully they haven't. They've, they've kept him as that kind of muscle, that enforcer type guy, which is a perfect sort of role for him I think he's 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 not the greatest wrestler in the world he's decent enough but he's not my style of wrestler really but yeah having him as an enforcer yeah fine that's all right 
if they're gonna if they're gonna hire him, use him for that. I can just see that like they're gonna put him against Morrissey and have mm. like a battle of the giants, and it's just gonna be an absolute stink fest. Yeah, yeah. But no, I've never got him. I didn't get him as Jack Swagger. Um, uh-huh. Even when he had a mouthpiece, I didn't think there was much to him. I don't really get him as Jake Hagar. And as this show goes off air, you kind of do a pan across all the inner circle. And they all get it. They're all selling it. <laughs> and then the camera stops on Jack uh, on Jake Hagar, and he's just uh, confused. I, I was funny you say this because when I was watching it, I was like, Sid's going to mention this. That yeah, he's just sort of there. He just looks like a deer in headlights, doesn't he? And it's so odd because he's been... He's wrestled at WrestleMania. He's He's been <laughs> yeah. in crowds that are massive. So you should be used to this by now, mate. But, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> he still somehow looks like... And this is a conversation we've had for years. Some people get it. Some yeah. people never get it. And as you say, mm-hmm. WrestleMania, big shows, big matches, people putting him over... And it still doesn't seem like he gets it. And he's yeah. a legit MMA guy. Like He's in good shape. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's got a decent physique. He's not just used muscle. He's, he's got mm. what I call fighting strength. You know, his arms aren't too big. Yeah, yeah. But his upper body is, so he's got some speed and the power. Like, he's a legit fighter. You can't take anything away from him personally. But just mm-hmm. as a as a wrestler rather than a sports entertainer, I don't I don't know why he's there. And I don't think he's ever going to get it. No, no, but yeah, like I say, thank thankfully he's not used a lot. He's he's a background character for Jericho, and that's how he's sort of remained ever since. But if he is the worst Hagar, then who mm-hmm. is your favourite Hagar? Is it <laughs> Jake Hagar? No, Hagar the horrible, mm-hmm. or Sammy Hagar? Oh, I mine is uh, ha- is it Hagar in Final Fight? The the mayor, he's a Hagar, isn't he? And a wrestler, so doubly good. I like him. Should have been on my list. But I do, I do like Sammy Hagar. I, he's my preferred Van Halen singer. If I had to pick one. Weird, isn't it? Because he's like, I like early um, Van Halen a lot, mm-hmm. but I also really like the Sammy Hagar stuff. Yeah, I do. I think so, he's good. Yeah, it's and I know that's that's in in the old Van Halen circles. It's very much one or the other. No, no, and no. Sammy Hagar eventually appears on AEW, so we've got that to look forward to. Well, it's it's let's close the book on it then, because it's like <laughs> it's meant to be. We've done the first dynamite, and we've managed to take it to some strange places mm-hmm. with, with Van Halen and. Uh, Poison and Kiss from a Rose. Bit of a seal reference, Scott. Yeah. Got to get that in there. So, yeah, that was Dynamite Episode 1. I reckon, Pete. Yes. I reckon I'm going to watch Dynamite Episode 2. Let's give it a go. See how we get on. I reckon we should. So that was our strange little podcast for another week where we kind of look around what happened on Dynamite. If you want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete? I'm on Twitter, at Pitwar, P-I-T-W-A-R. If you like comic-y stuff, you can follow me on Instagram, Pitwar80. And I know you love Facebook. Everyone loves Facebook. So we do have a page for the show on there. Search your Double View Wrestling Podcast and you'll find us. And you can follow me on Twitter, at CZ Hazard, which is also my pen name. And you can follow the show on Twitter at AEW. 
so give us a follow, give us a like, give us a subscribe, upvote, downvote, because it all actually helps the algorithm, mm. the negative stuff. But the best thing you can do to help us grow, the single greatest thing you can do, is give us a share on social media. Tell other wrestling fans about us. Help people find our show. Thanks, everyone. And we'll be back in a week, probably on Wednesday. I think we're moving to Wednesdays now for the uh, for the Dynamite shows. I like and, it. Uh, yeah, Dynamite episode two next Wednesday. Woo! Be there. Thanks for listening. <laughs>